Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Today, Eileen Mercedes Cannon will begin to decide whether we all live or die. This, sadly, is not hyperbole. The federal judge who has presided over a total of four trials for a total of 14 days in the totality of her life will today make the first of a series of decisions that will ultimately end with whether we all live or die. The forest really can never be seen because we are next to the trees, And how fitting the analogy is, because while we are down here taking samples of the bark to check markings by Jack Smith, the big picture is this judge, Eileen Cannon, will at minimum help to decide whether or not Donald Trump is kept out of the White House, and that will at minimum help to decide whether or not we have any chance of maintaining a president who will lead this nation and thus this world through climate change and the changes we must make in response to it. It really is that stark. And I think we forget about it. And then something snaps the picture into focus, and in my case, it is two pictures. The first is that one grinning idiot in the black San Diego shirt and the black shorts and the black cap and the black sunglasses in Death Valley, California, taking selfies with a digital thermometer reading 131 degrees, both as if that heat could not kill him personally and as if that 131-degree temperature was temporary or transient or unique to that locale or something he has to take a picture of so he can preserve it for his grandchildren. And oh, by the way, at the present rate of acceleration of the climate catastrophe, don't worry about preserving it for your grandchildren because you're not going to have any, nor is anybody else, because the last words Donald Trump will ever speak on this earth will be about how money is more important than anything else or how climate change is a hoax or both. The other image was of this redneck Jason Aldean, the pride of MAGA, 
New Year's Eve guest at Mar-a-Lago. Trump kissed the top of his wife's head. She posted photos. Trump is clearly staring down past her head into her cleavage. He is the yodeling darling of the climate denial crowd and dropping a song last Friday daring black protesters to, to quote the title, try that in a small town. And then two days later, he had to run off the stage and get two IVs stuck in him. So he did not lose consciousness while singing in the ferocious tropical heat of Hartford, Connecticut in July at night. But there's no man-made climate change. Try that in a small town, Jason, after the energy grid there has failed and your governor has chased away all the hospitals and the doctors because woke. As I stared at the Canadian wildfire smoke out my window yesterday, a baseball announcer on my TV was complaining about the Canadian wildfire smoke out his window in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was 109 degrees in Rome, and they were laughing about that in Miami, where the first ever excessive heat warning predicted 110 degrees. And they were laughing about that in Sanbao in China, where it was 126 degrees. And no, they were not laughing at Persian Gulf Airport, which is in Iran, but is actually closer to Dubai than anywhere else. And it didn't matter because it was 152. 152 degrees at Persian Gulf Airport in Iran. The last actual safe temperature for the average human is a wet bulb thermometer reading of 95 degrees. So, if at 152 the power had failed at Persian Gulf Airport, I mean, again, energy grid failure, as if this were Texas, there would have been a mass casualty event. Judge Cannon is to tell Trump's lawyers and Walt Nauta's lawyers and Jack Smith's team of lawyers some preliminary findings about the process for handling classified information at the Trump trial. And all the indications she gave yesterday suggested she would be adding an item to the agenda, the planned trial start date and timeline. Discuss. History does not usually schedule stuff this important in advance and tell us about it. Everybody in Europe was not informed on June 15th. Hey, on uh, the 28th, Archduke Ferdinand of Austro-Hungary, he's going to make this damn fool trip anyway to Sarajevo. And though the bomb they will throw at him at the train station is going to miss, the Archduke will still be too stupid to call off the trip at that point. And his driver, who doesn't speak German, won't understand the revised driving route out of the city, so he'll take the old one and he'll wind up on Franz Joseph Street and he'll have to pull a U-turn right in front of where one of the bomb throwers' co-conspirators happens to be standing, despondent because the plot failed. So the co-conspirator can put bullets into the Archduke and the Archduchess and that will start the world war and 20 million people will die. And because the peace will resolve nothing, there'll be another world war in 25 years, 75 million more people will die. So don't make other plans for the 28th. That doesn't happen. We were not forewarned about the day John Brown decided, yeah, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going to Harper's Ferry. And nobody in 1066 told England, the Normans will be here Wednesday. And the media was not alerted when Hitler was let out early because they were convinced he posed no further threat. And nobody pointed at that one rat scurrying off the ship, just anchoring at Messina, and said, that's the one. Bubonic plague right there. And nobody ever said, 
hey, my feet hurt. Tomorrow I'm just going to try to live in one place and raise the crops here rather than searching for them all day. I'm going to call it a, I'm still working on this, but I'm going to call it a farm. And nobody comes back from anywhere or anytime to warn you to save Sarah Connor. And yet here we are. At some point today, Eileen Cannon, who 20 years ago was writing features for the Miami Spanish-language newspaper El Nuevo Herald about festivals and yoga and, I swear to God, about flamenco dancing, she will make the first of a series of decisions that will ultimately decide whether we all live or die. And they're not ultimate decisions or final decisions, but they are among the ones which will be. And she could, if not today, then soon, literally knock all the guardrails off the fight against climate change, because for those of you far more militant about this topic than I am, I will not insult you and say America has led our magnificent worldwide struggle that has succeeded in slowing down the catastrophe by a couple of weeks, maybe. But you and I still both know that if the critical decisions about saving life on this planet are to be made in the next five years and Donald Trump is president for any stretch of those five years, we're all dead. Pinpoint weather, 152 degrees, waves of climate refugees expected between noon and 1 p.m. And the UV index on a scale of 1 to 11 is, I'm sorry, the power grid failed again. There was a piece in the New York Times yesterday about the Trump roadmap towards authoritarianism if he gets a second term. And most of it is a louder and scarier presentation of Schedule F the Federalist Fascist plan to eliminate career employees in the government and give the president hiring and firing power over everybody, like in Iran, where it's already 152 degrees. And the article was kind of summarized in one quote from a totalitarian named Russell T. Boat, who ran OMB during the defendant's regime and is now dictator of the Center for Renewing America. And the quote was, what we're trying to do is identify the pockets of independence and seize them. And you can see that quote. And then the video in your mind goes into high speed fast forward. And at some point in the future, months, years, decades, you get to there being absolutely nobody in the government or in the Congress or in the Supreme Court to even say no when Trump decides that no matter what the 25th Amendment says, that because of whatever, because of whatever, he deserves a third term and he's running for it. Critics, including a lot on the left, thought that piece in the Times was overripe and served basically as just thousands of words of what we used to call institutional advertising for MAGA and Trump and the Federalist Society provided free courtesy of the New York Times. Because while Trump's ability to enact all this, not federalism, but feudalism, would be better than it was when he tried it in 2017, it would still be held up, delayed at least by courts and by bureaucrats and especially by a Democratic Senate or House. To say nothing of citizen protests, if we ever do that again, like everybody in the blue states refusing to pay any more taxes to keep the red states from going bankrupt and everybody starving there inside of a month. But other than a passing reference to the Environmental Protection Agency being one of those units that would be brought directly under Trump's control, if he can get away with it, 
There was not one word in there about the much simpler path for Donald Trump to destroy America this time around, and that is to regain the White House and again roll back as many green initiatives and climate efforts as he can. I mean, when he can kill us all by just sitting around on his lard ass for four years, accepting the cheers of 50 million Jason Aldeans, just before they all keel over because they could not stand the heat, 45 minutes away from check notes, ESPN World Headquarters. What does Trump need with Schedule F and system overhauls and Project 2025? Project 100 degrees every day in beautiful downtown Bristol, Connecticut. That'll do the job. I just keep thinking of that poor, dumb F in the sunglasses standing next to that digital thermometer in Death Valley and thinking, 131 degrees? Well, thank goodness I got a shot of it. It'll never be this hot again. And now I'm starting to wonder if the dinosaurs stood around taking selfies of that spectacular light show in the sky when the big meteor hit. And I find myself wondering also if at any point before she settles in for her 15th real day as a judge doing real judge things today, Eileen Cannon will see the forest in spite of the trees or wonder what does happen if Donald Trump gets another chance to kill all the trees or if it will even ever flit across the most distant recesses of her mind for a fraction of a second that, my God, I really could be deciding whether we all live or die. Also of interest here, like anything else matters after that, and I haven't even really gotten into the climate refugees thing yet or the new reports of underground climate change beneath the cities because there's too much heat under Chicago and things may sink or fall over. But I think you will agree with me about this. I need a laugh out of that. Maybe you do, too. And the Daily Beast's Confider Media Newsletter provides said laugh today. As if I had written this myself. A phone photo snapped in a place called Becco on Restaurant Row on 46th Street here in Manhattan. And it is from last Wednesday. And what the photo hastily shows could be nothing. or could be the absolute last thing the 2024 presidential campaign needs. And what it shows is Chris Christie having a bottle of sparkling water and maybe sharing a meal with... Chris licked. Does this restaurant Becco now serve not just pasta, but paste? Chris licked. And Chris Christie. Hell, if anybody could destroy the planet faster than Trump, it'd be those two. And there's also a laugh from January 6th, if you can believe that. Woman in a big Pink beret, wildly overdressed, wanted for January 6th misdemeanors. FBI's been looking for her for two years. They tweet out a photo of her. Guy is in line at a crafts store somewhere. A friend holds up his phone and shows him the photo of the woman in the pink beret. And the guy gasps and he says, that's next. This is Countdown. 
This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Wilmington, Delaware, Smartmatic suing Fox for $2,700,000,000 because it wasn't only Dominion which Fox slandered, has now subpoenaed Steve Bannon and Mike Flynn to sit for depositions in this lawsuit. CNN reporting those depositions were scheduled for this week and may still happen this week. This puts Bannon and Flynn in tough spots. First, have you ever sat for a deposition? The nicest one in the history of the planet was an ordeal. But more importantly, this would ordinarily be where Bannon and Flynn might try to thumb their noses at the system. But the entire Trump axis they still serve depends on Fox's defamations of Smartmatic to somehow be proved true or maybe more correctly, to not be proved untrue. So they kind of have to go through with the depositions and kind of have to defend Fox. They also have to supply subpoenaed documents, which in Bannon's case would all be in crayon. And of course, both of them first have to try to remember what that word Truth means. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Dateline the good ship Clarence Thomas's lollipop. 
ProPublica back with even more about America's only Supreme Court justice who has a for sale sign growing out of his ass. Turns out that yacht Harlan Crow used to take his friend Thomas around the world on perfectly legal, not at all bribes, reeking of more corruption than a mountain of rotting fruit cruises. For tax purposes, Harlan Crow has a company that charters his super yacht. And see, it's lost a lot of money because the chartering hasn't been going so well. So all the money lost is deductible from Harlan Crow's other taxes, which is legal, except if you're not really chartering your boat and the ProPublica investigation and Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon say, oh, snap, there's no evidence he's chartering it out. Based on what information is available, Senator Wyden told ProPublica, this has the look of a textbook billionaire tax scam. No kidding! Dateline, your nearest Joanne Fabric and Crafts store. That is where an unnamed citizen was standing in line when the FBI tweeted a photo of a woman suspect still wanted for January 6th. This happened in the spring. His buddy in line with him at the fabric store showed him the FBI tweet on the phone and the photo of the woman they were looking for. And as the man recalled the moment to NBC News, quote, I stopped dead in my tracks. I'm like... That's Jenny, his ex-girlfriend, who married somebody else. And they both went to January 6th, him in a parka and a MAGA hat, and she in a fetching white jacket with red eyeliner and just the most darling pink beret that made her look like Eloise at the Plaza or something. And it was visible from space. Naturally, the ex turned her in. She turns out to be Jennifer Vargas, now Jennifer Vargas Geller, and he is Spencer Geller, and he, they say, was one of the first to breach police lines at the Capitol, and he pushed bike racks at cops, and they are apparently living in Asia somewhere with a baby. He faces a felony, she a couple of misdemeanors. We don't know what kind of breakup that was with Mr. Joanne Fabrics. But if he got crushed, man, has he got enough revenge to last him 47 lifetimes. And Dateline Hudson Yards, New York City. The first week's ratings are in for the new Caitlin Collins 9 p.m. show on CNN. Monday, last place. Tuesday, last place. Wednesday, last place. Thursday, last place. Friday, last place. She did, however, get into triple digits in the advertising demo, so she had more than 100,000 viewers aged 25 to 54 on one of the five nights. Still ahead on Countdown, I mentioned the arrival of Lionel Messi to take the GOAT Emeritus Chair annually provided by Major League Soccer in this country for the superstar who just hit his expiration date and came here to where else but Miami. And whatever time you mention soccer, that means it's Soccer Breakdown O'Clock. Next. First, time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. Three, two, one. 
Bronze, Megan Kelly, who does the fastest-growing conservative podcast, which gets... Metrics are tough here, but it looks like she gets about half the audience of this podcast. Keep up the bad work, Meg. Part of the failure over there, just like part of her failure at NBC, was that she's just dyspeptic all the time. Whines, complains, blames, sneers. Also, the six tons of makeup doesn't help. RFK Jr.'s sister Carrie condemned her brother's crazy talk about the vaccine, as did his nephew Joe. Megan Kelly, she writes, Look at these terrible family members. No one was asking how does RFK Jr.'s sister feel about his latest remarks. She just felt the need to kick him when he was down. Nice. Obviously, uh, people had been seeking Carrie Kennedy's response because she is the president of the Robert F. Kennedy Human Rights Nonprofit Advocacy Organization, and her brother is the one who's inadvertently besmirching their late father's name and their group's name. But Megyn Kelly wouldn't know that because in addition to being lazy and in addition to acting like she's had gas pain continuously since 1997, Megyn Kelly is also a dope. The runner-up, Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens. You know about Cop City in Atlanta? The proposed secret fascist police training ground planned there? Opponents want a referendum. Mayor Dickens last week said no one in his administration or law enforcement would get in the way of that constitutional right to have one. Yesterday, the city of Atlanta filed a motion in federal court to stop the referendum. Called it invalid and futile. Invalid and futile. Two words which now might also describe Mayor Dickens's chances of getting reelected. But the winner, this Vivek Ramaswamy guy, another man who has mistaken his own financial luck for intelligence, the Republican presidential long shot who is carefully positioned to grab the nomination if the white supremacists' first eight choices all die, has revealed his shortlist of Supreme Court nominees, and he's got. He's got Senators Ted Cruz and Mike Lee on it. And he also likes a U.S. appeals court judge named Lawrence Van Dyke. And Judge Van Dyke is the one who made the profound historic ruling that has made life better for hundreds of millions and untold generations to come. Van Dyke was the one who said, yes, people running a beauty pageant can exclude participants who are transgender. Second in importance only to Brown v. Board in education, in my opinion. My God, this country wasted taxpayer dollars on court rulings about beauty pageants. Vivek, Ted Cruz and Mike Lee for the Supreme Court. Why not Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Kanye Ramaswamy? Today's worst person. I know it's Brown v. Board of Education. I said it wrong. In the world. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and 
and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. To the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me and things I promised not to tell. You may enjoy this one enough to keep a copy. Soccer breakdown. Gary Miller was one of the backbones of SportsCenter. I had worked with him at CNN. He was strong, confident, very loud, forceful. He hated mascots and he had no filter. He and Dan Patrick were great friends in Atlanta, and then Gary and Dan left for ESPN within months of each other, 1989-1990. This has been said of me, and so I say it of Gary with affection. He suffered no fools gladly. And though his elbows were always up, he made sure that 99% of the time when they bumped into somebody, that somebody had well deserved it. As near as I can piece together... Gary was doing the 11 p.m. Sports Center on Friday night, June 24th, 1994. Typically, Dan and I did the 11 Sunday through Thursday. The story of soccer's 1994 World Cup, at least in the first week, was a preponderance of player ejections, red cards handed them by the referee. In those days, the 11 p.m. Sports Center included a feature two or three minutes long on a story that had drummed up a lot of interest during the first show planning meeting around 3.30 p.m. It was a feature called Breakdown. It provided long-form analysis in the days when we didn't have a lot of that. Could be a coach getting fired, could be the relative credentials of baseball Hall of Fame candidates, could be one fantastic play in a game. Once we did a deadpan serious breakdown about injuries to mascots. A producer or the anchor himself would write the script, they would pre-record the narration, and then the producer would edit it. This is pre-digital, it was done tape to tape, it could take hours to edit it. And the key was to track it, to record that narration, which was done in a tiny wood-paneled room reeking of mildew that looked and smelled exactly like every suburban basement rec room in America circa October 1965. That's where Gary Miller found himself on the night of Friday, June 24, 1994, reading a script about soccer players from around the world, none of whose names he had ever seen before let alone tried to pronounce it was the soccer breakdown in all senses of the word. 
the raw tape, the original version of his tracking session for the script for Soccer Breakdown, is easily the most beloved bootleg in ESPN's history. In fact, it is so popular that there are several different cuts of this bootleg. People have sat down with the original tape, which runs nearly 20 minutes, and edited it down to only the best or worst parts. Now, I'm not going to say I have a copy of the original. I'm simply going to note that Dan Patrick ran it on his radio show in 2017 and posted the whole segment to YouTube. So, yeah, that's where I got my copy of it. Uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm going to annotate for you what happened. So let me present this to you in three segments. It did not start well for Gary, and it got worse from there. Although... Mr. Miller gave it its eternal title and life by going sibilant on the S for the word soccer. I'll note only one thing. The acronym of International Soccer's outfit, F-I-F-A. Uh, Gary, it's pronounced FIFA. Soccer breakdown in three, two, one. FIFA, soccer's governing body. Three, two, one. FIFA, soccer's three, two, one. The red card has become the calling card for this year's tournament. Seven ejections for uh, three, two, one. Witness Romania's Ian Bladiu against the Swiss is or through oh, Christ. Ah, uh, but that was the easy part. Now, in the script came the names of the World Cup stars who had been given red card ejections in the first week of the tournament. One was the 17-year-old star of the Cameroon team, Rigobert Song, often referred to by his full name, Rigobert Song Bahanog, or as it was said in the script, Rigobert Bahanog Song. Three, two, one. Cameroon's Rigobert... Bananyag. Three, two, one. Cameroon's Rigoburg Bayangang Zang Zada Da. Bayangang Song. Three, two, one. Cameroon's Rigoburg Banyang Zang. <laughs> Bayangang Song. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. By the way, Rigobert Song is now the manager of the Cameroon team. He's gone from being the youngest player in the World Cup history to get a red card to running his nation's team. I'll interject here that at the start of this final major clip, Gary Miller says to somebody who has clearly entered that tracking room that smelled of mildew, get out of here. Dan Patrick said that was him. I think he's mistaken. It doesn't matter much, but there was no reason for Dan to have been there on a Friday night, especially if we were not doing the show. And also, there has never been a microphone ever that Dan has not spoken into. Anyway, we have already met Rigobert Bahanong's song. Now meet my guy, the Italian goalie, Gianluca Pagliuca. Two... Get out of here. Two is guilty. Through Two. How long is this tape? Three, two, one. 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 Cameroon's Rigoberg Banyan song prevented a breakaway from Brazil's Babeto. A oh, God almighty, I hate soccer. Cameroon's Rigoberg Banyan Young song. I better try that one last Bleep. time. Two, one. Cameroon's Rigoburg Banyan Nyong song. 
Oh, I hate this! Chalk up Bolivia's Luis Cristaldo for both on 3-2-1. But the most notable red card of the tournament came when Italian goaltender John Luca Pagliuca, 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 the mother, 3-2-1. But the flurry of red cards thus far has taught coaches and players alike to control their play if they'd like to control their fate in this tournament. Holy bleep! That is all. The pronunciation of Rigobert's song's name is one thing. I was delighted by how furious Gary got at Gianluca Pagliuca of the Italian team and the expletive he used to describe him, which you may have just heard. In the days that followed, in fact, the Italian goalie's name became shorthand for me for that expletive in question. So for the next three years on SportsCenter, and after that on Fox Sports News, and then on my ESPN2 show... And on Football Night in America, and then when I returned to Sports Center in 2018, if you heard me say Gianluca Pagliuca while we were showing a player making an error or arguing with an umpire or official, I was actually implying that the player had just said uh, Gianluca Pagliuca. There's another punchline to this story, of course. The idea to do this soccer breakdown that so bedeviled Gary Miller, the story of red cards in the first week of the 1994 World Cup, the idea to do that came from Gary Miller. Never volunteer. I've never been convinced that Gary was really happy about his immortality, certainly not in the way my ESPN pal Steve Levy not so secretly glories in the day he once tried to say that a New England Patriots player had a bulging disc, but didn't quite get disc right. But Gary Miller has been a good sport about this through the end of his ESPN career in 2004 and afterwards in his days at Channel 2 and Channel 9 in Los Angeles and most recently at Channel 2 in Cincinnati. It isn't hard to understand why this tape is so famous and the pleasure derived from it so enduring. As John Cleese once said about the real-life hotel manager on whom he based his character from Faulty Towers, he had this wonderful bad temper. But there are two more things. One, this occurred exactly a week to the day after the O.J. Simpson car chase. And people forget now just how disturbing that was in an America, especially sports America, like at ESPN, that with the exception of a few of us who knew, nobody knew how rotten a human being O.J. Simpson was. So even a week later, we all needed this laugh, and Gary gave it to us. And even larger... The essence of soccer in every country in which it is played is that it always allows and encourages and even demands that its fans complain about it. And so, while we cherish soccer breakdown and three, two, one, and Rigobert Bahanong song and Babetto and Gianluca Pagliuca, to me, it is really about five words that anybody who hates the game will say, but they are also five words that any fan of the sport will certainly use at some point in his life. Possibly at some point today. And they are the five words with which I will leave you for now. Oh, God almighty, I hate soccer! Since I first told you this story... I have, as I mentioned, rediscovered an artifact that I thought was gone forever. 
right after the soccer breakdown saga unfolded, an ESPN colleague made me a copy of the original raw tape of Gary, and we put it on a cassette, and I couldn't find it. There were things on it that were somehow lost from all subsequent copies of Soccer Breakdown. So this is not as high def, but I think it's even more high comedy. Soccer Breakdown in three, two, one. After a 1990 World Cup marked by physical play and low scores, FIFA Soccer's three, two, one. After a 1990 World Cup marked by three, two, one. After a 1990 World Cup marked by physical play and low scores, FIFA, soccer's governing body, sent out a decree for the 1994 Cup to be better policed. The result? The red card has become the calling card for this year's tournament. Seven ejections for uh, three, two, one. After a 1990 World Cup marked by physical play and low scores, FIFA, soccer's governing body, sent out the decree for the 1994 Cup to be better policed. The result? The red card has become the calling card for this year's tournament. Seven ejections through the first 23 matches and a direct message that rough play will not be tolerated and more teams will be playing a man down if it continues. The goal? More goals and a more palatable sell to the American public. Three, two, one. The results, just over two and a half goals a contest compared to 2.2 per game at the 1990 Cup in Italy. Why does the red card come out? A FIFA rule book states a player shall be sent off the field of play and shown the red card if, in the opinion of the referee, he, one, is guilty of violent conduct, witness Romania's Ian Bladiu against the Swiss, is, or, oh, Christ. Three, two, one. Why does the red card come out? The FIFA rulebook states a player should be sent off the field of play and shown the red card if, in the opinion of the referee, he, one, is guilty of violent conduct, witness Romania's Ian Bladiu against the Swiss, two, is guilty of serious foul play, Cameroon's Rigoberg Bananyag, Bananyang Song prevented a breakaway from Bebeto, Three, two, one. Two is guilty of serious foul play. Cameroon's Rigoberg Bayangung Zang Za Da Da. Bayangung Song. Three, two, one. Two is guilty of serious foul play. Cameroon's Rigoberg Banyang Zang. <laughs> Bayan Yang Song. Three, two, one. Two. Get out of here. Two is guilty. Through Two. How long is this tape? Two is guilty of serious foul play. Cameroon's Rigoberg Banyan Song prevented a breakaway from Brazil's Babeto. A foul. Oh, God almighty, I hate soccer. Two is guilty of serious foul play. Cameroon's Rigoberg Banyanyong Song provided a breakaway from Brazil's Babeto, a play both serious and foul, deserving of a red card. I'd better try that one last time. Two, one. Two is guilty of serious foul play. Cameroon's Rigoberg Banyanyong Song prevented a breakaway from Brazil's Babeto, a play both serious and foul and deserving of a red card. Three, uses foul or abusive language. 
can't show you that. And four is guilty of a second cautionable. Oh, I hate this. Three, uses foul or abusive language. And four, is guilty of a second cautionable offense after having received a caution. Chalk up Bolivia's Luis Cristaldo for both on three, two, one. Chalk up Bolivia's Luis Cristaldo for both on this case, as he receives a yellow card and then uses on a foul or abusive language to draw a second yellow and be ejected against South Korea. A tone was set in the first match of the tournament when Bolivia's Marco Antonio Echeverri was ejected for this illegal kick against the Germans. But the most notable red card of the tournament came when Italian goaltender Gianluca Pagliuca, the mother three, two, one. But the most notable red card of the tournament came when Italian goaltender Gianluca Pagliuca was ejected against Norway for a handball outside the goal where the game was still scoreless. Three, two, one. But the most notable red card of the tournament came when Italian goaltender Gianluca Pagliuca was ejected against Norway for a handball outside the goal area with the game still scoreless. Down a man, a team's first instinct is defense. An injured Roberto Baggio is now a liability, even if he is one of the world's most talented offensive players. The gamble paid off. Italy's still alive in this year's World Cup, but the flurry of red cards thus far has taught coaches and players alike to control their play if they'd like to... And with that, we welcome Lionel Messi. Or is it uh, uh, Lionel Messiah? Bebeto. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. Sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Kenny Maine. Everything else is pretty much my fault. Don't forget, Countdown Now also available on YouTube for those of you who prefer a small animated me to accompany my reading of this script. That's Countdown for this, the 924th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him again while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Hey, dude, there's no way you would have gotten away with that. I know, luckily, I don't snort all cocaine. Like, it's not my thing. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.